Good evening, good, good evening, everyone. Happy Sunday. Hope everyone is well. My name is Tabriz, uh, the uh, founder, creator of the Amateur Football Platform, and you are tuned in to the Stoppage Time Penalty Show. And again, thank you to everyone that's tuning in on uh, live and also on replay. Um, this show is, hey, you know what, you know, of course, I kind of talk about goals. I kind of, you know, uh, talk to players, coaches about football, etc. But I think this um, show, um, I've had a lot of um, messages about this show, and uh, and um, I think this is something that we all have to take notice. Um, and um, again, thank you, thank you to to the special guest that's actually on to to literally talk about her her business and her journey and also to educate everyone about first aid and uh, defibrillators and other stuff that we can do and I want to welcome Sam Jones to the show how are, how are you doing very well thank you thank you very much for reaching out and asking me to be with you this evening it's great so yeah. yes so, let, so let's go straight straight into it so um you are the founder of first aid for staff uh, could mm -hmm. you could you tell us um, a little bit about what your company uh, it does? Absolutely. So I'm a paramedic. I work out of work locally in Croydon, um, local to me where I live. And I've been teaching first aid in and around the Croydon and Bromley area for 25 years. So quite a long time. And in 2016, it was time to start first aid for staff. Um, what we wanted to do was we wanted to set standards. We wanted to give people a high quality uh, training, first aid training um, that was also affordable and really just set those standards. There's a lot of very good trainers out there. Um, not all of them have experience. And so where we come from is we have that knowledge. We have the experience for, for us to deliver those first aid courses. And I've been on many a first aid course over the years. You've got a trainer that's picked up a book and they're teaching textbook first aid, which we're not textbook. So that's where we bring things slightly different um, because we know what it's like to do a resus. We know what it's like to go to a stabbing. We've delivered babies, gone to heart attacks, that the list is endless. Um, and so we can bring that into our first aid training. So ultimately what we do, um, we empower people, we give them knowledge, we teach life skills, we give confidence, and ultimately we teach people how to save lives. And um, in your opinion, why why don't we talk about first aid training, um, especially within football and sport on mainstream media? Interesting, isn't it? Because mm. it's not really talked about very much. Um, is it because the majority of people don't realise the need? Is it because um, it's lack of education? Is it because people have the perception that someone else will know what to do? And therefore, it's that we don't really need to talk about it. Um, interestingly, a few years ago, the Red Cross issued some, some, some statistics, too many S's, uh, some <laughs> statistics, um, which I doubt very much have changed. 89% of footballers think that sports people have a responsibility to look after each other. But 43% don't have the confidence to provide first aid to their teammates. Wow. So that's that's quite interesting, isn't it? And as a paramedic, you know, we see we see that that the general public either don't know what to do, 
they think that someone else is going to do it um, and they, they don't have that confidence. And there's also that what if. What if I do something and I make someone worse? What if uh, someone takes me to court? What if someone sues me? So that the the perception is I can't touch that person because we live in this no win, no fee kind of world. And therefore, people are happier to stand back, get their phones out, video it, get it on social media, but not actually do something to help. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, so we... So we see cardiac arrests in football. Mm-hmm. Is that, and again, we're talking about Christian Eriksen, um, Fabrice Mwamba. Um, is that the same as a heart attack? Um, what's, you know, um, and actually, why does this happen? Yeah, and that's a very interesting um, interesting question because we we heard, didn't we, Christian Eriksen, so many people said he had a heart attack on the pitch. Mm. Um, a heart attack and a cardiac arrest are very different. A cardiac arrest means that that person is not breathing normally and it can happen for a variety of different reasons. So, yes, a heart attack could cause a cardiac arrest. Um, it could also be that person's diabetic. You know, their blood sugars drop. They could go into cardiac arrest. They could have a stroke and go into cardiac arrest. Mm. So it's not always that heart attack um, that that person has had. Now, a heart attack is when you, when that person has a sudden blockage to a coronary artery, causing the heart muscle to die. So the artery blocks blood and oxygen can't pass through that to feed the heart muscle the other side. So that part of the heart muscle dies off. And as a paramedic, I've been to a variety of people who have had heart attacks. We put them in the back of the ambulance. We blue light them into um, a cardiac centre and they stay in the back of the ambulance talking to us. Okay. You know, so it's that that perception that everybody that, that has that cardiac arrest, it must be because of a heart attack. Um, with cardiac arrest and exercise and football in particular, and, you know, we know that exercise is good for us. Yeah, we tell everybody they need to, to lead a, a more active lifestyle. They need the kids need to get off their computers. However, if you have an athlete who has a structural or an electrical fault with their heart, mm-hmm. it might not show in everyday day to day life. Um, but that could be the cause of their cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And it's suggested that a young athlete dying from a heart problem is three times greater than someone of the same age who has a sedentary lifestyle when playing football. Okay. So having said that, we shouldn't be encouraging a sedentary lifestyle. So I don't (laughs) want anybody to come up here to go, go, that's it. I'm not playing football because Mm. I'm going to have a cardiac arrest. Um, I'm going to stay in and and sit and watch, you know, TV and and play my PlayStation. That's, that's, that's not um, what we're saying. Um, But with playing football, you know, there are there are other things as well to take into consideration. Yes, that person might have that electrical fault with their heart. Playing football, that can increase their stress levels. Um, It can it's going to increase their heart rate. It's going to increase their body temperature. Uh, There's a greater chance of dehydration, especially if you're playing football in this weather um, at the moment. And then that can contribute to an electrolyte and a pH balance or imbalance a change um, which can then contribute to that cardiac arrest so um my my audience i would say range between ages of 28 29 to 45 possibly mm-hmm. a little bit older do you like know the percentages of men i say over 40 that literally die from playing football it's it's hard really with 
that with over 40s. Now, what we do know is that sudden cardiac arrest kills uh, approximately 600 young people under the age of 35 every year. Mm. Um, when we start to look at people over the age of 40, the problem is, is that there's a higher risk of heart disease. So it's difficult to know was it heart disease that caused that person to go into cardiac arrest over the age of 40 or was it you know uh, uh, the fact that they've got an, uh, a structural change or a, a, um, a fault with their heart um, and that they were you know playing football and that's what caused them to go into cardiac arrest um, but FIFA commissioned a study which was carried out by a German university it was published in 2020 and they looked at worldwide deaths attributed to sudden cardiac arrest or other unexplained sudden death syndrome um, and that was whilst playing or shortly after playing football the period that they looked at was 2014 to 2018 so over that five-year period they said that there were 53 cases so again this may why be why we're not seeing first aid talked about in the media we're not seeing it talked about at football because on of an average that's just under 11 a year mm. so are people thinking to themselves it's only 11 a year we really don't need to be too fussed about it my thought process that's 11 lives that potentially could could have a chance um you know we saw christian erickson suffer a cardiac arrest during euro 2020 didn't we charlie white last year had a cardiac arrest whilst training Fabrice Mwamba, who you mentioned a little while ago, um, back in 2012. Mark Vivian Foe, he yeah. sadly died of a cardiac arrest in 2003. Mm -hmm. And then again last year, Adam Traor, uh, he had a cardiac arrest. Mm. And that's that's just a small handful of players who have suffered cardiac arrests while playing. Some have been lucky, they've survived. Sadly, some um, haven't. Mm. But I think it's really important. I know we were you're mentioning about over 40s but if I can just mention a charity um, who do an amazing job they're called cardiac risk in the young and they used to screen people so it's all about pre-screening this is how we pick up these arrhythmias this is how we pick up these structural changes this is how we pick up those 40 electrical wires if you like in the in the heart um, is about pre-screening and if you go to your GP and say, I'm 18 years old, I'd like to be pre-screened for a cardiac condition, they will, they'll say to you, but you have no, you have no symptoms. You've had no, uh, you know, no, no episodes of anything. So therefore we can't, what, what, what are we referring you for? Um, but, so this is where cardiac risk in the young come in. And you can book onto their website and you can book a pre-screening test okay. they're growing they started off at st george's hospital in tooting um and they were seeing initially adults between the ages of 16 to 24 they've now increased that upper age limit to 35 okay. so what that means is that you log on you book yourself an appointment and then you go over to st george's you have an ecg you're seen by a cardiologist and that ecg they can pick up and they've picked up so many arrhythmias that they've then had an opportunity to do something about preventing that person from having that sudden ca uh, sudden cardiac arrest. Um, so they're an amazing charity, Cardiac Risk in the Young. It's open to anybody between those ages, 16 to 35. So I think if we can get more people screened, um, then, then that's going to be a big difference. 
you know professional football you automatically get that don't you yeah yeah you know, but I mean, one of the big clubs you're being yeah. screened um, yeah. in theory so what's so what about if you're over the age of 35 like myself like what do i do <laughs> <laughs> then 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 you you watch from the sidelines no not at all not at all <laughs> there's oh. there's well men clinics there's okay. well women clinics which are targeting slightly older age groups outside of that age group um but of course if you know if you found that you were having any chest pain you were short of breath then you would be going to your gp your gp would then refer you for further tests okay. um but the age group 16 to 35 that have the sudden cardiac arrest they're the ones who one minute are running across the football pitch the next minute they're down just like christian erickson yeah so um talking about Chris you know Christina Erickson um and again I'm going to put put the picture up um could you could you define or literally tell me and also and also tell the viewers what a defibrillator is because this is something that I didn't know until maybe a couple of years ago yeah and and defibs are an amazing invention absolutely amazing invention and Christian Erickson was so lucky wasn't he absolutely so lucky um so defibs, we hear them called defibs. We hear them called AEDs, automated external defibrillators. We hear them called def uh, defibrillators. Maybe a pad, PAD, or a shock box are all words that we hear um, and use to describe that box. It delivers a high energy electrical shock to the heart when someone is in cardiac arrest called defibrillation. The machines talk to you. They tell you exactly what to do. And the defib cannot deliver a shock to someone who is breathing normally and their heart is beating normally. Um, and and they're, they're, they're amazing. You know, we, we know, we know from working as, as paramedics, we know from all the statistics that have, been, that have been done is CPR, which we'll talk about in a second, CPR on its own. You know, that person, do they stand a chance without a defib? Not really. And we see that we see the difference. You know, we see the difference. We see that when a defib is being used, that person's chance of survival is much greater in combination um, with CPR. Mm -hmm. There is an app that you can download on your phones. It's called the Good Sam app. Nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the, good, the Good Sam app. Um, and as long as you've got your location switched on, it will show you where your nearest defib is. Okay. Which is a which is great. Um, sorry, obviously, could, if you phone, sorry, say that again. Um, yeah. Could you repeat the app name again? Sorry. Yes, it's the Good Sam app. The Good, the good Sam. Sam. Yeah, okay. the Good Sam. Okay. The, the Good, good Samaritan. Sam. Okay. Yeah, and as I say, if if you've got your location switched on, then it's going to show you where your nearest defib is. Um, if you phone 999 because you've got somebody there who's not who's not breathing normally, then they will also tell you where your nearest one is. But it might also if you've got a couple of people there helping, it might be quicker for somebody to log on, head towards that defib while someone else is making that call um, to 999. Yeah. Um, but one thing, you know, in an ideal world for it to work properly, it's a two person job and it's used in conjunction with CPR. Okay. So um, if you've got somebody who's not breathing normally and you head off and think, right, okay, I'm going to go and get the defib. It's going to take me two minutes to get there, two minutes to get back. That's four minutes of nothing being done for that patient. 
to and want somebody to do that. Sorry. No, no, no sorry. So, and and um, because you know when you when you're talking about first aid and CPR, and again, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I don't know if any of my teammates are trained in in first aid or CPR. In your opinion, how how many people should be trained in a team? In my opinion, everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Okay. Because let's say you are you are trained. Okay. You are trained. You are the person who has been on one of my courses and you can do CPR. God forbid what happens if you're the person that needs CPR. What happens if you're not playing that week because you're on holiday? So it's all very well saying, yeah, we'll tick a box. That's that's what we do in this country, isn't it? We're very we're very reactive. We're not very proactive. Yeah. And and we look at health and safety. Maybe we look at and we think, well, there's no legal requirement to have somebody who's first aid trained. So therefore, we don't need to do it. And it's it's if we got every single person trained, every single person trained then it doesn't matter whether you're on holiday. It doesn't matter whether you've whizzed off to the loo. It doesn't matter whether, you know, you couldn't make it because you were poorly. Every single person is there. And that's 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 what happened with, with Christian Eriksen. Mm. You know, one minute he was running across the football pitch, wasn't he? He was conscious. He was breathing. Within seconds, he was on the floor unconscious. Within seconds, he was clinically dead. And, and uh, you know, when we kind of talk about Christian Eriksen and, and possibly even um, Fabrice Mwamba, they were they were lucky. You know, it was, you know, they were they were playing um, in, you know, in like big games uh, and like they probably had. Yeah, exactly. What you said before, they they had uh, assistance straight away. And mm. um, again, including myself and probably the majority of my viewers don't don't have that you know resource and and again you know if if that happened while he was at home I don't think he'd be playing right now either no. of those players and and that kind of comes into my next question which you've kind of answered with the app but why why don't we see a lot more defibs at grassroots grounds and non-league grounds yeah cost cost how much is a um, how, how much is the average defib? So if you if you buy the ones that we have on our ambulances, the life packs, they are they retail about seventeen hundred pounds. We can get them directly from the manufacturer, which is about a saving of five hundred. But those batteries have last for about five years. So when you're actually dividing that cost over five years, and you're thinking that's a very small amount of money that we're actually paying to save that person's life and when I speak to organizations community groups grassroots groups the first question they ask is how much is that going to cost us and actually when we're talking about life-saving equipment it shouldn't be about cost you know how much do you put how what price do you put on a life I mean I, I can I, I mean of course it's priceless I mean I can I can say especially at grassroots level just um <laughs> Just kind of getting uh, a team up and running takes a little bit of money. Mm, and, of course, it does. And, yeah, and and, and 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 I can imagine a lot of teams um, would would think about something like this and think, you know, again, it's are we like going to spend seven, sixteen, seventeen hundred on something like this, or or are we going to 
buy a new kit with training balls and, you know, make sure that our, our referees paid, the grounds paid, you know, that's, that's a whole yeah. chunk of money. Yeah, it is a massive amount of money. And we work with a, a charity called Carly Heart Trust. Carly Heart Trust are based in Bromley. They're an amazing charity. And what they do is they fundraise so that they will fundraise a percentage of the cost of a defib. And then they ask the club, the school, the community group to fundraise the other half. So that that defib now becomes 600, 650, 700 pounds. So that's a more that that that's a more realistic amount of money to fundraise. Um, and as well as first aid for staff, which looks after kind of corporate side of first aid, we, we run uh, courses for the workplace. We do individual courses. But last year, back in June, I set up a community interest group called First Aid for All Training. And the, the idea behind that is that we can get funding, we can get grants, we can get sponsorship and we can go in and we can teach first aid to our grassroots grassroots groups for free. So that will then give them that training where they think, OK, if I've got to get a DFib, how much is it going to cost me then to get the training on the top? Um, working with Carly Heart Trust, we can reduce the cost of that that DFib. And we can also do fundraisers. So if you've got a community group, you've got a, a grassroots football group, let's say in two team. All those people that come may know two other people. So we, book, we, we do a fundraiser, a three hour first aid fundraiser. They pay a per person price. As long as we cover the resources that, that it costs us, then that community group get the rest. So again, there's ways that we can work with groups, we can work with with clubs in order to get more people first aid trained, get defibs in, and actually give them those life saving skills. Amazing. So again, let me just repeat: you can go into grassroots clubs and do first aid training for free. Yes. Yes. So we can get some funding. Um, we can do fundraisers so okay. they can they can do some fundraisers yeah. to cover to cover yes. the cost of that defib um so yeah there's there's lots of things that we've been looking at that will help us you know in order to teach first aid the amount of times that we've been called to an incident that's happened in the street and and people have said to me if only i'd have known what to do if only i'd have known what to do and you think well we need to turn that around. We need to be able to give those people those life skills so that in the event that they are with their friend who's playing football in the park and, and they can buy that person time whilst they're waiting for the ambulance. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so, so it's kind uh, of lots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots, yeah. Lots, lots, lots going on, lots to think about. Lot, um, yeah, but lot. we we want more... I, Selfishly, I want more people in Croydon and Bromley and the surrounding areas first aid trained so that these these kids, these adults, they have that chance. So a scenario here, um, playing, playing a game on the football pitch and someone collapses. Um, I'm not first aid trained or I'd say you know, everyone on the pitch isn't first aid trained. There's no 
defabs around what what could we do to to at least have to at least give that person a fighting chance yeah so good quality effective cpr and what is cpr and again i mean i guess it's probably a kind of a loaded question do you think it's been trained enough at grassroots clubs no in in a, in a word yeah. no i mean cpr is cardiopulmonary resuscitation it's a technique it's a skill that we teach on all our first aid courses um, cpr buys that person time it gives them a chance and in effect you are that person's life support machine you're doing chest compression so you're pushing blood around the body to keep the brain alive you're doing rescue breaths to get oxygen into the lungs that then dissolves into the bloodstream then we start the process again chest compressions to get that blood circulating around the body to keep that brain alive and that is the aim of cpr we need to keep that brain alive um and lots of people think, you know, oh, yeah, the paramedics will be here. That's great. We turn up in a yellow box of blue flashing lights. All this equipment comes out. We go onto the football pitch and it's like a mini hospital. You know, we can stick cannulas in people's arms. We can stick tubes down their throats, all those things. But actually, if there is no CPR in progress when we get there, that person doesn't stand much of a chance. So it's actually the general public that are the key to someone's survival so no pressure <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> and it's them that save lives it's not us you know i don't save i don't save people's lives because if that isn't isn't there then then that person has less of a chance and if you've got if you've got three cardiac arrests that all get phoned in at the same time okay in three different parts of london let's say you've got one patient who is receiving no CPR. There's nothing going on at all. You've got a second patient, CPR is in progress. You've got a third patient, CPR is in progress with the use of a defib. If there's only one ambulance to send to that patient, they're going to send it to the patient who has CPR in progress with a defib because that person, sadly, is more viable. So in answer to that question, are enough people trained? Absolutely not. Ambulance waiting times are on the increase. Mm. You know, so my personal opinion, which I've already said, is that we need more people CPR trained. We need more defibs. And we know, as I said earlier, you know, 12 young people die every single week, 12 a week. You know, and if we have more people CPR trained, if we've got more defibs, they stand a chance. And uh, any final, you know, any fa in final thoughts, um, anything that you would want to leave my viewers with? What can we do? What, do, what would I like? If somebody could wave a magic wand for me tonight and say, what's going to help you kind of achieve this? It would be to get more funding, to get more sponsorship, so that we can go and teach our grassroots groups, our kids, our secondary school kids, our primary school kids, free first aid. And yes, the government have said first aid is, is available to all pupils, but who's gonna teach it? Because 
we teach most of the schools in Croydon. We're very we're fortunate to look after a lot of the schools in Croydon. And when I speak to the staff and they say to me, but I can't answer those kids' questions. So when they say, how do we do this? They say, I don't know. Yes, you could put a video on for them and they sit there and watch it. But again, they can't ask questions. So for us, it's really important face-to-face -face teaching. Let's get more people, our wider community, our kids, everybody. Let's at least the basics, the basics of CPR. And uh, a message to to any grassroots clubs, any any men over over 35, um, anything that you want to say to them? Grassroots groups, call, get, get, you know, let's let's talk. Let's do some fundraisers. Let's get some defibs out there. Let's work with the charity Carly Heart Trust that we work with. Um, their, their mission is to get more defibs. I mean, Carly, um, Carly Williams, as she was then, she's Carly Reed now. Um, her life was saved by a defib and good quality CPR. And so, you know, we are very passionate about pre-hospital care. They are very passionate about defibs. So, yeah, all of the grassroots clubs out there, let's get some fundraising done. Let's get some first aid training done. Let's get everybody. Wouldn't it be amazing that everybody in that team is CPR trained? And I do wonder, I do wonder if Christian Eriksson wasn't playing for Denmark, would his outcome have been the same? Because when you're at school in Denmark, when you start secondary school, everybody learns first aid. They all learn CPR. So it's just a natural thing for, for, for everybody to go and do. I must renew that because it's ingrained into them. They need to do it because they've been doing it on a regular basis. So, yeah, I do. I do wonder. So we've yeah. got a message from um, FC Cool Yvette's. Um, thank, thanks for the awareness. We'd be interested in the first aid training. We've downloaded the app. Good Sam responder. This is a very important subject. Uh, well done. And um, so with FC Kulia, um, the team was formed, um, and and um, in memory of Derek Kulia, who who like sadly actually collapsed um, playing playing football. So, you know, um, so like this is this is a very poignant and literally an important message mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you know, um, you know, it could happen to you, you know, it could happen to a family member. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and literally, this, you know, uh, this is something that we should be talking about a lot more. It's, you know, this this like shouldn't just be uh, a one off conversation. This this should be mm -hmm. spoken about on on the kind of mainstream channels. I don't know why it's not. Um, but, um, you know, we, like, yeah, we've um, got to keep banging the drum yeah. and, and um, like, making people aware. Yeah. And, and just with the amount of footballers that have gone into cardiac arrest whilst playing football, they're our ambassadors. They're the ones that need to be, that need to be coming on board with us and, and, and kind of getting that message out because they're, they're big names they've got big followings on social media people will listen to them um and if it hadn't have been for cpr and defibs their lives would have been very different yeah and uh, yeah i totally agree yeah, yeah. and uh, regarding contact details um how can how can people contact you and also your business so we have a website 
uh we have an email address i think you've got a there we go yeah. uh yeah. firstaidforstaff.co.uk email us at info at firstaidforstaff.co.uk you can call us on our office number 0203 301 6604 or my mobile is 07807 691191 and i've just i've just noticed to breeze i've I've been I've been upstairs. I shut the bedroom window up here. I'm in my son's bedroom because uh, his his kit's better. And I shut the window because there was a dog barking. And I've slowly slowly turned into the colour of my shirt. <laughs> 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 I'm like look like a Ribena berry. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Brilliant! Oh, brilliant. Dear oh, dear, dear. Blend, blend into my my t-shirt. Um, <laughs> But yes, so there, there are there are contact details, absolutely, and we would love to work with more community groups. We'd love to work with everybody. Let's let's get more people first aid trained. Yeah, great stuff. And please, pe people, screenshot this. Um, I have a you know DM me uh, again. I'm I'm kind of fully, fully, fully involved in this. This is this is just amazing. Uh, and um, and yeah, honestly, you know, we, you know, we kind of thank you and. Um, and again, um, I see cool, yeah. Again, um, again, um, this is this is just a subject that that just needs to be talked about a lot more, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. absolutely, yeah. And yeah. Uh, let's see. I mean, you know, I don't want anybody to go away with false hopes because we can't save everyone. You know that that's a fact. We cannot save every single person, but what we can do is we can give them a chance. We can buy them time. Sam Jones, uh, founder of First Aid for Staff. Thank you so much for uh, uh, coming on to uh, the show and sharing your knowledge. And uh, I want to thank everyone for like, watching. Um, we'll be back next week, Sunday, uh, with some more um, football content. Again, please like, share and subscribe. I'll see you guys next week.